0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Wednesday, August 30th. Finally, another week where we have two episodes in the same week. We promise you guys you'll we'll get you guys an episode today on Wednesday, midweek episode. I think these are these are probably our best episodes, or at least our best performing episodes because People don't typically listen to podcasts on the weekend, at least if you're not an avid podcast listener. And I I would hazard to guess that we're not the only podcast you listen to. If you do listen to podcasts, you probably listen to more than them other than us. Uh, But yes, I, I I would hazard to guess that you listen to more during the week when you have kind of more of a routine when you're doing other things. That's how we want you to listen to us. Maybe when you're doing something else, but also still kind of taking in our content and And listening to us, because I think that we have some good stuff to say, which we do have some good stuff to say today. It is our fantasy episode we're doing. I kind of I said this a while back, but I said that we would try to do a fantasy episode in between kind of in the middle of our four NFL preview episodes. And so that's what we're doing today. We've already done our first two NFL previews. We've done the NFC and AFC East and South, both the two divisions for both of those conferences So we've done 16 of those teams, and then we're going to do the 16 other teams, uh, hopefully this coming weekend and then mid next week before the regular season even starts, which is the goal. That's really the only option that we have. (laughs) It wouldn't make any sense to do an NFL preview after the the season starts. So that's our plan for from here on out. That'll conclude our NFL preseason, our August kind of. Well, it's going to be going and bleeding into September a little bit, but. We kind of planned this whole month of August to be previews for football, college football, and NFL. And it's been a great August so far. It's been a great month of just talking about straight football because it's what we do best and it's what we love to do the most. It is August 30th today, which is pretty hard to believe. It's almost September already. It's almost Matt's birthday month, which I know you guys are not excited about it all i'm not either but uh but it, it's okay you know we'll, we'll 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 let him have his glory when it comes time for september 21st but other than that uh, i'm really excited for, to talk about fantasy today because i i typically like talking talking about fantasy i think I'm a little bit more than matt i suggested we do that this this fantasy episode today and he agreed to it but i think it was more on my agenda to do it and i i love talking about fantasy i think it's I think it's really fun to do so because I think that every year there's a different strategy going into it. There's still some of the same strategies, but I think that it's, it's one of those things that changes every year, even though it seems kind of like the same thing. And yeah, there's going to be different players that are ranked higher each year, but I think that there's different strategies going into each year. And we'll, we'll talk, we'll kind of touch on those a little bit in this episode, and then we'll go in into our busts and our breakouts, everything, everything that you see in the title we're going to talk about today. So that's the, the, kind of the the blueprint for today's episode matt is on the other end of the zoom call here matt how are you
1: very excited for fantasy football man i'll tell you that yeah hayden's right i'm like for whatever reason i just suck at fantasy like i, I don't know why <laughs> yes. i just i'm bad at it um yeah. i'm always in like four or five league. actually so i've i've you i've most of the time i've only been in four leagues this year i'm joining a fifth league so there's a lot to keep up with obviously but like i am i'm one of the biggest Sports fans in general that you'll ever meet. I'm one of the best, biggest football fans you'll ever talk to, and yet I, can just, I just can't figure it out. I, I am, I, I've got the betting on lockdown. Like I, I know I can, I can make money out the wazoo on betting football, but for whatever reason, I just can't play fantasy. I, my drafts are bad. My waiver wire pickups always are busts. So yeah, I, I just for I, I don't know. I think that's kind of why I'm, I, I shy away from the fantasy episodes a little bit because I'm like, hey, if anything you don't really want like as much as we're giving out strategy and advice and uh, seeing my recent success or lack thereof in, in fantasy football over the last, basically 10 years ever since I've been playing fantasy football you might not want to take my advice to be honest or at least do the opposite of what I say so we're going to go over some obviously like some sleepers and busts and um, you know kind of kind of players that we that we want to draft or 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 not so um yeah so I, I'm just going to kind of go out on a limb there and just say you know take whatever I say with a grain of salt because I just I, I just can't seem to get it right but that doesn't stop me from trying and, and as I mentioned I'm in five leagues this year I've already I've already had one draft I've one draft in the books I have four left and you know what the best part about that is Hayden you're gonna love this I have fantasy football drafts this weekend on Saturday Sunday Monday and Tuesday so four days in a row I have a fantasy football draft and uh and it's just and it's perfect because obviously it's you know I mean this is the first this is week one of college football, which shout out to week zero of college football. I mean, I know we talked about it on the last week's episode, but it really came through. Florida International, Louisiana Tech. Are you kidding me? Florida International. Hey, I'm just gonna Louisiana Tech had 333 passing yards. Guess how many Florida International had?
0: Um, I'm gonna say like, I don't know, five hundred and twenty.
1: Four four passing yards for the entire team they're winning they're winning 14 to nothing in the first (laughs) quarter they're up 17 to 3 at halftime and they eventually lose the game on at the last second they're leading for 58 minutes of the game and they have four passing yards compared to louisiana Tech, who was 333 like if that's not college football i don't know what another one umass versus new mexico state which is another one that we mentioned on the podcast last week absolute like just horrible game like the entire time it's 13 to 10 going into the fourth quarter guess what the fourth quarter score is 28 to 10 to 20 there's 48 (laughs) points in the fourth quarter and there's been 23 points scored in the entire first three quarters so if there's anything that shows you college football is just is just awesome just because of the just the randomness and the craziness that happens i hope that week zero uh proved that to you and if you didn't know which you probably didn't know any of those stats because you weren't you know you weren't you're not as deep into it as, as i am uh hopefully that brought you a little bit of joy so yeah so as much as as much as the the crazy college football stats are are fun, I'm definitely ready to kind of get into get into some real NFL football here.
0: Yeah, that New Mexico State game I think was also the game where uh, the N- New Mexico State quarterback mid play got his helmet turned around and still proceeded to try to throw the ball downfield. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> they were close to the goal line. I think they were on the ten yard line or something like that. He kind of stepped up in the pocket. The quarterback did a UMass guy player grabbed his face mask, like one of the most egregious face masks you'll ever see, grabbed his face mask so hard that he turned his helmet around on his, on his head. And so, the New Mexico State quarterback could not see anything. Like he was looking at the back, the back of his helmet, and he started he started trying to roll out right, and then he kind of just like <laughs> shoved the ball forward. <laughs> like
1: he it. he throws a pass. I know, this guy I is looking
0: at the back of his helmet. He yeah. throws a pass. Like, dude, if he would have gotten picked off, that would have been even funnier. I mean, he didn't yeah. get picked off. It was it was kind of in the dirt, but yeah, it was. It was unbelievably, it was just one of those, it's like one of those backyard football things that happen happens in college football. And you just know that that quarterback went to the sidelines and the coach was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it was hilarious. So that that did very well sum up week zero of of college football. But with that being said, let's move into the real topic for today, which is NFL fantasy strategies. So actually my first point that I was going to say here, I'm going to push back a little bit and I'm going to, talk about one strategy that I thought of when Matt was talking about his, about, about him drafting badly and not having good waiver wire pickups. I think that the draft and the waiver wire has a weird relationship. At least I think a lot of people like to take risks in the draft, or at least that's kind of like a, it's kind of like a trendy thing to do nowadays in fantasy is take a risk in the draft and draft guys that aren't next up on the, all positions needed list or whatever you want to call it. Like I th- I think a lot of people like to kind of show their football knowledge prowess and draft really low from the list. But while I think that that's true or that's needed in some cases, like it kind of depends on what the draft is doing for you. And we're going to say that a lot today. It just depends on the flow of the draft and what your draft is doing. And it's kind of more of a reactive process of how you should draft. But for me, I think that a lot of, breakout players honestly come from the waiver wire. I think that a lot of rare, very surprising players that seem to break out mid season, they come from the waiver wire and usually they're either not drafted or there's somebody that somebody drafted and they're not doing well at the beginning of the year. And so they just, somebody just drops them and they, you know, they're on the waiver wire for a few weeks. You go on the waiver wire and you see, Oh, you know, like Kenneth Walker was a, was a good example last year. You see Kenneth Walker on the waiver wire and you're like, Oh, I could, I should probably pick him up because you know, Rashad Penny, his ACLs are made of glass. And so I should probably pick up Kenneth Walker as, as some kind of handicap for him. And then all of a sudden, yep. Rashad Penny like tears both knees. And then you got Kenneth Walker who comes in and he scores, you know, 20 points a game for the first four games that he plays. And it's like, where did this guy come from? Oh, yeah, he's he's actually pretty good. He came from Michigan State and he broke a bunch of records at Michigan State. So I think that that's where the real money comes in is from the waiver wire. It's it's not really from the draft. I think that taking risks in the draft is just is way too taboo for me. And it's it's not really it's not worth it in a lot of in a lot of cases like it's. I'd rather wait until the season starts and then wait and and, kind of see what's happening position wise. Like if a lot of the running backs are either getting hurt or a lot of the running backs are becoming busts, that's, that's when you go to the waiver wire and you really start doing your research or your your due diligence and actually start looking into who might be a good replacement for whatever hurt running back you have or whatever running back that might be a little more disappointing than you thought that they would be in the draft. I'm not saying to go with, the safe option always in the draft. I'm just saying that I think that people have gotten a little too caught up nowadays with trying to draft really low level guys or like, you know, guys that are, that are very low down the list. Um, Just to say that they got this guy low down the list, you know, in, in round five. And then he has a couple like 30 point games. And then the rest of his games are seven points. You know, it just doesn't really make sense in my mind. And that's going to be my first point that I bring up. Matt, do you have any commentary on that? Is that something that you maybe have done? And maybe is that
1: a mistake that you've made in the past? Well, it's not. It's, ironically enough, the example that I was going to make is that last year, the only fantasy league that I actually won money and that I finished inside the top three uh, was, was the league in which, and it's so funny because it was the perfect example by you, I picked up Kenneth Walker and Geno Smith, like in week four or five, and they were my entire team for the rest of the year. And it paid off. And I started, I think I started like, zero and four in that league. And I ended up, I ended up coming in third place. So I I think you're exactly right. It's, you kind of have to, you know, you kind of have to pay attention to the waiver wire in addition to, and I think kind of, you know, that goes along with your point originally of kind of just draft the safe players because those guys that pop off, you're not going to be able to call that before the season starts. I mean, last year Seattle was supposed to. I mean, they were projected to win like five games. They end up winning what nine or ten, and they they make it to the playoffs. Uh, and and nobody could have seen Geno Smith. In fact, I think Drew Locke was supposed to start like halfway through the off last year for the Seahawks, and then it you know it all, all of a sudden turned into Geno Smith who has never played to the level, even close to the level that he played to last year. And then obviously you have a rookie in Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, who comes in and, and just kind of, you know, just kind of tears it up. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously in college, Kenneth Walker was a beast, as Hayden said, Michigan state and and at Wake Forest, even before that. Uh, And and so the writing was on the wall in terms of, yeah, this guy's probably going to be a pretty good prospect in the NFL, but you can't forecast that prior to the draft. And, and even, and we're going to talk in, you know, kind of when we get to the individual players that we're kind of high and low on in this episode I think to kind of piggyback off of what Hayden was saying, where you know, not only is not only is it kind of you know not necessarily the smartest thing to go super down the list and and just grab someone because you because you heard a a good training camp uh, or you saw you know you saw them make a crazy catch in training camp or something, I think drafting rookies is also kind of in that in that realm, right? Because you you never ended up knowing a how they're going to produce and b like what their volume is going to be like, right? So like a guy like Chris Alave last year who ended up tearing it up he had over a thousand yards and he ended up he's now the number one receiver for the saints in just his second year a like how were you supposed to know that that was you know that, that, that he was going to turn into what he did and b it was with andy dalton and and ian book at quarterback so like you know what are we supposed to do with that right and and he's still you know he still did really well and so um you know stuff like that where it's just it's it's almost like you can't you can't project what Especially what these rookies are gonna do. But in addition to that, what Hayden said, um, where, you know, where you're kind of you're kind of just pulling pulling something out of a hat because you think that you know better than everybody. Well, yeah, in some cases that works out. But I, I feel like, at least in 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 my mind, um, that is definitely a mistake I've made, Hayden, to answer your original question in the past is you know, all right, I'm I'm super, super knowledgeable knowledgeable about all these teams. And I know this the second tight end on the depth chart and that he's the one who's gonna get all the red zone targets instead of the starting tight end who's actually gonna get the volume of catches but you need the touchdowns for fantasy so I'm gonna drop the guy who gets touchdowns and then he either gets hurt right away or or never sees the light of day on the field and and you know and and that's just kind of gone away so um definitely agree with with kind of your first your port your first point there and to add on to that right I think that you know and and the waiver wire was always is always a very important aspect to any of your fantasy leagues and and again it kind of depends on here how your league runs it right like I know some leagues that do first come first serve where when the waiver wire opens up it like 3 a.m. on on Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. Uh people are like up on their phone, like setting alarms on their phones to wake up so that they can get their players. If you're in that sort of league, like all, all the power to you, I wouldn't want to do that personally. Um, but you know, being being like getting on there on Tuesday and just looking at, you know, okay, here you know, I, you know that that week is over. We're we're focused on the next week. Here's what players have done well and 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 who and who, you know, seems to be getting a lot more carries or catches. Than they were expected to, I can kind of pick him up. And obviously too, for, I think for the most part, or the, like the, the way that most leagues work is that the worst teams get the first priority on the waiver wire. So, you know, if you, if you're starting five and zero, and, you know, and, uh and Jordan Addison, you know, starts going crazy this year for the Vikings. And, and you're sitting there and you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta pick him up. Well, right. You know, eight other people are trying to do the same thing. Someone with a worst record is probably going to get him. So obviously the whole waiver wire thing definitely depends on how you're doing. And obviously if you're, if you're doing well to where you're not getting those waiver wire players, that means that you did well in the draft. Right. So I think it, it kind of evens out there. Um, But, but yeah, so I think overall, you know, solid point. Bayden. All right. And then my second point
0: here that I don't really, I don't really know if Matt has commentary on that. So, or on this point, so he can kind of go into whatever he wants to after this, but this is kind of just a straightforward and it's my opinion really on this. And it's, it's kind of what I've seen from experience and that it's, It seems it's pretty popular this year, at least even more than last year, in my opinion, to go wide receiver in the first two rounds in PPR leagues. Now, we're going to base all of our analysis off of PPR leagues because that's what most leagues do nowadays. Matt and I, actually, the first ever league that we were in when we were nine and ten years old, believe it or not, we started fantasy all the way back then the first league that we were ever in that we, the first league that we were in for, you know, a good four years without joining any other league was standard scoring, no PPR. And it had a bunch of other weird juice for, especially for quarterbacks. Like quarterbacks were really, really important, but we've kind of gotten used to the stand, like the actual standard scoring leagues of PPR and then 25 yards or one point for every 25 passing yards. And then four points for, for passing touchdowns, six points for rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks, everything like that. That's, that's where we're. That's where we've gotten used to now, but I think that PPR leagues are kind of the the norm now. So we're going to base every, all of our analysis off of that. But yeah, like I said, it seems pretty popular this year to go wide receiver in even the first two rounds, and I can see why. But I can I can also make a counter argument to this. So the the argument for drafting two wide receivers nowadays is that there's even less running backs, like elite running backs, that you know are going to be there. There's more running back by committees. There's more teams that have. Multiple running backs that they play. A great example is Kansas City, which I'm going to talk about later in the episode, and I'll get to that then. I'm not going to give it away now. Um, but I, I think a great example is running back by committee in Kansas City. It's worked for them. It's won them Super Bowls. Well, Patrick Mahomes has won them, won them Super Bowls, but it has been a a supporting cast player in their Super Bowl wins for sure. And there's other teams that are that are good that have had running back by committee systems and that's been one of the arguments for drafting wide receivers is because wide receivers, not only are there more of them, you know, uh, there's, there's basically a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two that you know are going to be pretty decent on every team. There's 32 teams. So there's essentially 64 wide receivers that you know are going to be pretty decent or that you have a good idea are if they stay healthy, they're going to be a, a decent help to your team eat in and week out. Right. That's the idea. There's 64 wide receivers and there's really only about, I'd say maybe 20 running backs that'll do that'll do that for you. If that there's because, again, you have to take about a third of the league that's going to be running back by committee, more running back by committee than the others, and you got to trash those because you're not going to have a star running back in, in really any of those leagues, except for like a Jamal Williams situation back in uh, back in Detroit when he scored 17 touchdowns last year. But that that's just kind of an anomaly. That's not really going to happen. Anywhere else? I feel like maybe AJ Dillon and Green Bay, but I don't even really see that happening that I, to the extent that it did with Jamal Williams. But I, my argument for this is that wide receiver in the first two rounds, you guarantee that you're going to get that benefit of the PPR. Obviously, if, if you get guys that get a lot of receptions and also a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, right? Like, like any good wide receiver would. But again, receptions is key in PPR because you get a point for every reception. Now, you're not going to go out and draft a guy that gets a bunch of receptions, but doesn't get a bunch of yards. And I'm going to talk about that again later, too. So my my argument with this is like I wouldn't get too caught up in that either and drafting two wide receivers first because you've still got good running backs. I mean, I in, in my only draft that I've had so far, I drafted two wide receivers first. I'm not going to lie, but, but that's just because of how the draft was going. Again, it's 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 a very reactive situation that you want to kind of monitor as, as things go. Um, but I'm also going to make the argument that drafting a running back within the first two rounds, maybe not the first round. I think I think a wide receiver or Travis Kelsey is the way to go in the first round this year, um, just because there's yes, it is true that there are more solidified, very, very good wide receivers and there are. Running backs and running backs also get hurt a lot more often than wide receivers. So people are, are are definitely taking their safety route or their safe route in the first round and going wide receiver. Second round, there are going to be guys that are out there like uh, Nick Chubb or you know Derek Henry. Like like those guys are still going to be out there. Whereas in past years, those guys probably weren't going to be out there in the second round, right? Like let's be honest, Derek Henry was going top five last year he's not going to be going top five this year i can tell you that right now so he may not even be going top 20 right so it's like i've i've seen leagues where i've done mock drafts where nick chubb and derrick henry fall way to the bottom even round three so i would say like if you do have a a chance to you know kind of snipe one of those guys in the late second round do it it's it's gonna pay off you've got like I said, you've got so many more good wide receivers. You got 64 good wide receivers theoretically that you're gonna have a shot at way later in in the rounds of your fantasy draft. So that's my argument for maybe not going wide receiver, wide receiver. Again, that's what I did. I got Stefan Diggs and Jalen Jalen Waddle at pick seven and I guess 15 or whatever it was. No, seven and like twenty, or I guess it was. So yeah, Stephon Diggs and Jalen Waddle, that, that's a pretty good combo right there. I just didn't think that the running backs on the board at the moment were worth it to give up Jalen Waddle along with Stefan Diggs. So um, that's, that's how I played it. But again, I would not be too caught up in in drafting two wide receivers first. There's going to be a lot of great wide receivers down the line. So keep that in mind.
1: Yeah. And then too, I mean, you know, and, and, and I think, right. I think you're right. that at the end of the day with the PPR leagues and everything, it's, you know, it's, you are kind of prioritizing uh, receptions in a way that is, you know, it's kind of unique to that position and, and has kind of, you know, garnered that position to be, or I guess, you know, kind of necessitated that position to be one of the top, top drafted positions overall. And to an extent, you know, I kind of, I understand why it's, you know, you kind of have to get your studs because they go off to the board off the board quickly. But it's the same with running backs. I think that was kind of the point that Hayden's making is like, you know, right? If if you can get Stefan Diggs and Jalen Waddle, that's cool. But the argument could be made that even though you know, even though Hayden did get some pretty good wide receivers, he didn't even get two number one wide receivers for like two different teams, right? Now, yeah. obviously, you you could you could argue that, and I would almost side with this argument that Jalen Waddle is as a, as a number two in Miami could be just as good, if not better, than you know a number one receiver on another yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, overall, right. It, it, it kind of depends on what, you know, where you're, where you're, you're specifically looking. But I think if you, if you are going to focus on something like that, you, you definitely want to target the wide receivers that are getting a huge uh, volume of target share, right. Basically just kind of, you know, are, are they the, the, the kind of the go-to option for, for their core yeah, for their quarterback, uh, basically every time they drop back uh, because if you're, if you're drafting wide receivers who, you know, a, maybe the, you know, maybe the, maybe the offense is just more run focused or, or B there's another, maybe there's a, there, maybe there's a gasser in the slot, right. Who, who he can you know, streak up the middle and, and, and he's, you know, he's always viable for a deep shot instead of kind of that, you know, slow and, and steady, well, not slow, but, you know, steady, reliable receiver who's, who's just kind of a, you know, a possession receiver, who's going to get you a lot of those catches to be able to increase, um you know, your, your kind of your volume of, of, of potentially earning those points uh, through a PPR method. So, so, right. So I, I kind of get it now. The only way, or I guess the, the way that I think that, that we can kind of phrase this here um is, is and I kind of, I think to kind of sum it up is, is the fact that obviously, right. You want to get those PPR players because, it is just such an advantage to be able to get a point per every reception that the, the player gets. However, and I think this is kind of where Hayden maybe was going with this and I'll just, I'll just kind of get it there uh, to summarize, to kind of conclude this point, draft the PPR draft, the running backs who are going to get a lot of catch shares, right. Who are going to get a high target share because, because that will automatically get you chances at, you know, the, those extra points uh, for you know, when it comes to PPR, but like in a lot of cases, they're also kind of the bell cow back, right? So guys like Austin Eckler and, and Saquon Barkley, like, they're going to catch a lot of balls and and obviously get you that PPR target share, but they're also kind of the, the only running back who's going to be down there at the goal line too. Right. You know, you know, second and third and goal, they're going to be getting those carries to, to go in either that, or, you know, if, if, if it's, it's right, you know, it's first and goal from the, from the six yard line and they run a pass play the back can, can either, you know, sit down right in the middle or go out to the flats, and, and the quarterback has an option to be to throw to them to get a touchdown as well. Screen plays, we've seen how many times has – well, I mean, Saquon Barkley hasn't, I guess, in, in a few seasons, but, like, when – on Barkley's first two years with Eli Manning, like how many screen passes did we see where he would just he just kind of caught the ball and he's kind of jogging along and he's taken to the house, right? Christian McCaffrey, I can't believe I didn't mention Christian, Christian McCaffrey in this entire discussion, but he's probably the you know the, the the poster child for an example of a running back who can literally play basically receiver at the same time and they're just a receiver in the backfield. So I think if you, if you if you kind of need if you, if you're like in the back of your mind like I need to have kind of that you know I need to have a PPR option or two PPR options in my first two picks of the draft. I think going for a running back who can catch, and again, at the end of the day, the running backs who can catch are the ones who are going to be at the top of the board. This, you know, at this point in the cycle of fantasy football, simply because most leagues are PPR nowadays, and the sites and you know all the projections and everything are going to put those running backs higher because they know that they're also going to get a target share and be able to land you those PPR points. So, you know, to a certain extent, they're they're kind of already going to be up there anyway. But I think that you you get a higher percentage of touchdown chances with a running back who can who's you know who's who's a bell cow back but you'll also get that PPR advantage uh you know when when they're also receiving a target share above what the normal running back is especially a running back by committee like he'd mentioned the Kansas City was great Jeremy Jarek McKinnon w- was great last year you know in the in the back half of the season but because all he was doing was catching the ball and running it in for touchdowns. He wasn't he wasn't getting the ball, you know, and, and, and on the handoff and taking it for, you know, 120 yards a game. No, he had nine catches a game and that's a nine point performance. And, you know, even you have, you know, 50 yards off of that, you're getting you're getting 15 to 20 points every week. Like that's that's all you can ask for. So uh, so even a running back like that, where, you know, you're, you're going to get a target share, you're going to get that PPR advantage. But who can also carry the ball and, and increase your target or your 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 share of of touchdowns or your at least your expected value when it comes to touchdown percentage? Um, I think that's probably the, the best way to kind of combine the two uh, frames of mind.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think Jared McKinnon was a great example, and I actually draft. I not drafted him. I picked him up off waiver wires at the end of last yeah, year. Yeah, and, and he,
1: that's an example too. Like nobody drafted Jared McKinnon. Yeah. You had to get him on the waiver wire.
0: Right. Right, and I, and I did that, and he was great for me at the end of the season. He would literally score, he would average like a touchdown a game, and then, right, like Matt said, he would get, you know, seven to eight catches per game. So that's that's already 15 points without even without even bringing in the yards, right, for that. Well, she didn't really get many yards, but all you need really is a touchdown and, and a few catches, and you've got it made. So at this point, switching gears here to the quarterback position, which is what a lot of people like to talk about, like the debate about, at this point, we should all know not to panic draft a QB super early. I, and we talked about this last episode, so I kind of, I, I went back to our our Google Doc all the way from last year, year ago, okay? Went back to the Google Doc and I kind of got some inspiration for some ideas related to what I've seen in my, in my draft, draft singular so far that I've done this year. And I tried to kind of come up with new ones, but I, this is still, I think this is always a very good point to nail down. And it's that you should never panic draft a QB super early, early, but if the rest of your league starts doing it, you kind of have to. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to explain this and it's going to happen more often than not, because let me tell you, it happened in the draft that I had on Sunday night. And this is what gave me inspiration slash motivation to talk about. This is because it's exactly what happened. It came about, I think it was about round three or four or something like that. And somebody, I think somebody drafted Patrick Mahomes in the third round. And then after that, you saw, Josh Allen go, and then Joe Burrow. I think I think three quarterbacks within four picks were gone. And so once those three guys go off the board, everybody's like, oh, I need to draft a quarter. I need to get Lamar, right? I need to hop on Justin Fields because he he's going to have some kind of breakout season this year. Matt may have an, an, an argument against that in, uh, later on in the episode. But yeah, but it, it, everybody started drafting quarterbacks so fast. And I was like, dude, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? But again, I, I kind of had to fall into that category because, right, Quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, like guys that you don't really hear about as much, but you know are going to be probably pretty good, especially if they're a running quarterback and they can rush for touchdowns, rush for yards, because, you know, rushing yards are are, are more points per yard, a lot more points per yard than passing yards. You know, you know, if those guys start going, you've kind of got to pick up the slack and, and draft a quarterback yourself. So in the fourth round, after I drafted wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, I had to go quarterback and I went Trevor Lawrence. I got Trevor Lawrence in the fourth round, which I think that you could probably get Trevor Lawrence in most sane leagues, most leagues that don't panic draft QBs. You could probably get Trevor Lawrence in like the seventh round, I would say, because most people, if they knew, if they know exactly what they're doing, if they have a good plan going into the draft, if your league is like very cohesive and they, and they know football well and they know fantasy well, nobody's going to draft a quarterback until around round five, maybe six. But then you're probably going to still have a guy like Trevor Lawrence in round seven. And I I think that last year I said, wait for the QB to come around round seven, maybe even round eight. But you're going to get a pretty decent QB around that round unless your league starts drafting, panic drafting QBs. And so what I was forced to do was get Trevor Lawrence in round four. You know, what's crazy, Matt. Kirk Cousins went in round four of of this draft. That's gross. Of this, like, I was... I texted my but I actually only know one person in this league that I that I drafted for on Sunday because he just last second asked me if I wanted to be in it. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll waste 50 bucks, with, uh, you know, for people that I have no idea who they are, but it's fine. Um, I only know one dude and, I, and he texted me after and he was like, why did Kirk Cousins get drafted in the fourth round? And I, I texted him back and I was like, dude, I was going to ask you the same exact thing because I have no idea and I'm so mad about it, but. Yeah, it it was it was a very crazy experience, and that's just a perfect example of when other people are are panic drafting QBs. You kind of have to because I didn't want to get stuck with Kirk Cousins. I didn't want to get stuck with like I mean, dude, Geno Smith. Okay, this this is the other thing. This this is the last thing I'll say. Sorry, I'm I'm kind of all over the place, but I get excited. Geno Smith, I got Geno Smith in the 15th round, and I got I, and Kirk Cousins was taken in the fourth. I mean, I, th- this may just be an example of a league where nobody knows what they're doing, but like. Dude, I got Trevor Lawrence and Geno Smith. You know how much trade value that is? Now, I don't know anybody in the league, so I probably won't be able to trade anybody away, which kind of sucks. But I still have both of them. So if one of them gets hurt, I have a very good other quarterback on my hands that I can start right away. So it's that's kind of my my second point to this point is like unless you're unless your league is under 14 to 16 rounds, you want to get a second QB just to have trade value or to have a handicap for your QB. Because your QB is very important. While you may draft them late, they're still super like you never you never see a team in the championship that doesn't have a good QB that year. I'm you cannot if you've had a league where your champion your champion's QB is like Nick Foles. No, like that's that's not happening. So unless
1: it's 2017,
0: yeah, unless it's that year. But he he didn't play until the playoffs in 2017. It was it was all uh Carson Wentz. That's true, but he had that
1: one year with Chip Kelly. Remember he threw like seven touchdowns in the game. Yeah.
0: But again, like, yeah, I would hazard to guess that the winner of that of your league that you did not draft Nick Foles. Anyway, yes, my point is draft two QBs, but don't, try not to draft panic draft unless your the rest of your league is. And in which case you have to just go with the flow. And like I've said many times so far this episode, react and play and play it in a reactive way. So that's my point for QBs
1: and it's a good it's a interesting i w- i was thinking about your you know your your point there with drafting two quarterbacks um cuz that was something that i was going to push back on a little bit and obviously uh, given my loads of success at fantasy football over the years i think that that's probably Maybe not the right decision, right? Because I think I've I've always been a proponent of like only take one quarterback because you're gonna get the value by drafting all those extra running backs and receivers who at some point either you're handcuffing your you know your your starters or maybe they'll just break out and you kind of you never know, right? Like I, like my my philosophy was almost like. Okay, so yeah, don't take a rookie r- r- rookie wide receiver in the third round, but you know in in the fourteenth round instead of drafting a, a backup quarterback, take that rookie wide receiver then, just in case something crazy happens. And obviously, that never never really worked out uh, for me. So I, I think I think I might almost you know might almost kind of change around my strategy just based on kind of what Hayden was saying about. It is. It is important to have a backup. I feel like unless you have Patrick Mahomes, that's pretty much the only the only guy that you know where you you don't really need a backup because he's just going to put up numbers regardless. But I think the biggest part of that, too, is that not only do you have an option in case your starter gets hurt, but you also then have, and especially if the two guys are kind of similarly matched up, like Hayden has Trevor Lawrence and Geno Smith. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to have more fantasy points than Geno Smith. But, I mean, hey, like I said, Geno Smith almost won me a league last year, and so they're going to probably have, you know, around the same amount of points, and in that case you can pick and choose what quarterback you want to start based on their situation and the defense they're playing, right? Like Geno Smith is going to have two games against the Cardinals who are shaping up to be possibly the worst NFL team in the history of the league, right? And so you're going to want to start Geno Smith in those games because he's just going to go off against that horrible defense. Whereas, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to have to play the Bills. They're going to have to play the 49ers who were two of the best defenses in the league, right? So in those weeks, like Hayden might not want to play, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Whereas if you only draft one quarterback and you're stuck with Trevor Lawrence, Maybe he goes off and maybe it ends up being a shootout in Buffalo, but I I wouldn't count on it. Right. I mean, we saw how he we saw how he performed in the first half of that Chargers game in the playoffs. And that was the Chargers. So I I think that I think that's a that's probably a good point, something that I hadn't really considered. Maybe something that I'll, you know, I'll kind of of implement in my draft strategy going forward. Uh, And and yeah, I mean, in terms of kind of the when quarterbacks are going and you just kind of have to react. I think I think he's right. uh, You know, Hayden, I think you're right by that. Um, the only thing I would say is that, I I don't know. I mean, just for me personally, like the league that I've had the longest with like my closest friends, we just have like the opposite mentality where everybody takes all of the skill positions first and quarterbacks aren't drafted until like like Hayden was saying like an average of like seven or eight rounds. Like when most of the quarterbacks are going quarterbacks aren't drafted in our league until like the 10th or 11th round, but just, that's just because like, it's because of the way we draft. And so that's another thing. I I think a good, a good strategy point too is like, obviously with Hayden's case, he didn't know any of the players or any of the people who are going to be in the fantasy league with him. And so you don't know when that's coming. Right. Whereas I do know when it's coming for my draft that I did. So you can kind of, you know, depending on where you're at and depending on the people in the, in the league with you, if they're, you know, a bunch of your family members and you've been doing this for, you know, for for five or six years, you can kind of tell based on previous drafts, like, okay, well, you know, when are the quarterbacks going to start going? So you can kind of make an educated guess on when you can kind of, you know, how many picks you can get in, what your strategy can be prior to having to, you know, eventually go with a quarterback. And and I think that, you know, in terms of specifically quarterbacks that we like or dislike, we're going to get to that in a little bit, but, but, but I think that overall the strategy around it could be implemented all the way down to the fact that you know, based on who you're drafting with, that could lead a lot into actually when you're going to be able to take a quarterback or not. Uh, but I, I do like Hayden's point about drafting multiple quarterbacks because, you know, I, I that's something that I haven't really done in the past. But, you know, seems like it's 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 at least working for him, or at least that's something that, that he's found success in and I haven't found success in much. Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of my, I guess my commentary on the quarterback thing. You mentioned trade value Hayden a couple of times when you were talking about drafting a backup quarterback, which is, you know, another possibility that I, you know, that I, I didn't really touch on. So, um, what do you, what's, what's your next point here about trade value in terms of, you know, kind of how we're dealing with specific positions as well as obviously kind of knowing the people in your league also helps. Um, but being able to, to maybe set up your draft such that you can have trade value in the future.
0: Yeah, so remember how I was talking about the league that Matt and I have been in since we were 9 and 10 years old? That league never trades. So for the first five or six years that Matt and I did fantasy, we didn't even really know that trading was a thing. I mean, we knew that it was a thing, but we didn't know how to do it. We weren't used to it at all. We weren't even really introduced to it because nobody did it. It was just waiver wire pickups. Everybody kind of just did their own thing. It was very much a you play how you draft and you play how you treat the waiver wire. And that's, that's what I've been doing most recently because that's what I'm most used to. But I've been, I've, I'm in this one league with my friends. I don't even know if it's actually happening this year, but I'm in one league with my friends where last year, there was so many trades and there were so many trades offered to me. I made a couple of offers to other people, which was very unlike me. i very uncharacteristic of my, my fantasy self, but, I did it. I went out on a limb and did it and I think I I completed a few trades here and there but they weren't anything like groundbreaking um but I would say that if you know the other people in your league and you know that your league is a trade happy league, you know that people are going to be really into trading. You know that people are going to have the time to kind of evaluate which trades are going to be good and which trades aren't going to be good. It's it's actually a really good idea like if if you're a if you're a college kid like me and you're doing one with your friends. I'm in a, I'm in a house full of eight guys total right now, so we're actually trying to get together an eight-man league, which would be full of stacked teams, to say the least, but we're trying to get a league where it's just the house and so that we can kind of, like, just go knock on somebody else's door in the middle of the day while they're doing homework and just ask them about a trade. Like, that. I think that would be kind of cool, but we're, we're still trying to get that hashed out. But That is, that is that's a pretty a, cool idea. Yeah, that, that, that's a perfect situation, though. It's like... If you're if you're in close proximity or if you're really close to everybody in your league, definitely get players that are going to have high trade value. So I think a, a good example that we've kind of already said, but it, it's having a second QB. Like if I were in a league where I knew a lot of trades happened and I knew a lot of the other people, I would be even happier about getting Geno Smith in the in the fifteenth round because then I would have Geno Smith to trade. I would hopefully have him to trade, and then I could get you know a really good running back. My two running backs are Travis Etienne. And Alexander Madison. And then my third one is JK Dobbins. But it's like those three guys, they could, they could be better, right? So I could get a, a an elite running back by trading, you know, maybe Dobbins and Geno Smith for a guy like, I don't know, maybe Bijan Robinson, who like you don't really know who if he's gonna be good, but he could pop off. It's 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 kind of one of those things. So like just always think about you know, later rounds, especially guys that you're gonna Actually, I would say about mid rounds because you're, you're not really going to have trade value off of uh, off of late round guys. But I guess late round guys that you that you that might break out um, have that in mind. But then I I'd say mid round guys where you, you know that a guy's going to be decent and you know that he's going to have at least some trade value, maybe paired with another player. Be thinking about that, because, you, again, you don't want to you don't want to kind of just draft a team like you don't want to draft a starter, a really good starter lineup and then have a really bad bench and kind of, and have a big disparity in between the two. You want to have a a good all around team that you can, you know, that you wouldn't cry your eyes out for, for trading one of the guys on your bench, right? Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things, or I guess one of the, one of the guys on, on your starting lineup, you wouldn't be like, Oh no, I can, I can never give up Alexander Madison. You want to be able to have somebody that can, you know, that can kind of replace him if it comes time for a trade where, it would probably benefit you in the long run to make that trade. So that's my whole spiel on, on trade value. Again, it's it's not really that deep. It's not rocket science, like just draft depth. And Matt's going to talk about depth here in a little bit. That's kind of a good seg- segue here. Just draft depth and make sure that your starting lineup is not super, super different from your bench.
1: Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, My last point here is going to be, and this is universal, okay? So this is not like – Hey, don't take this advice because uh I suck at fantasy. No, this is like, I mean this is this is this is what you need to do to be able to, you know, kind of at least at least know what you're doing when you're drafting your team, but also just in general to kind of be good at fantasy is to know your depth charts. Know the depth charts of the team of, you know, the teams that at least that you're that you're going to be thinking about drafting, the players that you're thinking about drafting, um, you know, look at look at what players are on the team. Look at what players are also playing the same position as a player that you want to draft. Uh either in advance of, of your fantasy draft, or even during the draft, like, I know ESPN, you can kind of filter out a lot of the, you know, a lot of the settings such that you can eventually end up with like, just, you know, only players, only, you know, position players from that team. Uh, So you can look at all the wide receivers on a team and, and, you know, kind of go through and, you know, right. Um, Just kind of, you know, familiarize yourself there. Uh, But, but I think that, Knowing your depth charts is not is, is is important, but not only in terms of just like a running back by committee or cluster injury injuries at the wider at the wide receiver. Like we you know we talk about running back by committee in fantasy, that's not necessarily the greatest value. Um, cluster injuries cl- cluster injuries at the wide receiver position can really kind of downgrade you know a, a whole a whole team. I mean, we think about the Chargers last year. That's just, that's the one that comes to mind. Where you know if you drafted Keenan Allen or or Mike Williams you know, during the year and, and you see the other one go down and get hurt. And you're like, Oh, this is great. You know, my, my receiver is going to obviously not crazy that the guy got hurt, but that for your, for the value of your fantasy, you know, your fantasy player is going to get a, a larger tar- target share, or, you know, maybe it maybe an increased goal line presence. Right. Uh, and then he goes down as well. And it's just like, well, th- that's crazy. You know? And then, and so you almost want to kind of, you know, preliminarily just kind of decide, okay, right. Is this a team where the, t- the the players usually get injured? Or if you're drafting a player who typically gets injured, because there's a plenty of them out there, maybe supplant that player with another player further down the depth chart that's going to be able to take their place once they're out. Uh, and so I think that's kind of the first part. The second part though, is to also be able to determine the volume of carries and catches that your skill position players are going to receive. And and I think the depth chart is extremely important in that case because again, obviously you're, you're able to identify the running back by committees. If you're just kind of paying attention to generally what, you know, what's going on in the NFL, but some, some are different than others, right? So like I, the Falcons, I think are kind of a perfect example. And I'm going to talk more about the Falcons later uh, with one of my, with one of my bust picks that I'm going to have for for this upcoming year. But the Falcons, for example, are going to be a very run heavy team. You have Desmond the quarterback position. They're not going to be, and it's Arthur Smith, who, who was kind of the, he was kind of the, the mind behind, you know, Derrick Henry's first uh, few years in the NFL. He was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. And we know how that went, right? They got the number one seed in the AFC basically by running Derrick Henry into the ground, right? And and now Arthur Smith at, has at his disposal Tyler Algier, a rookie, a rookie that they drafted last year who got over a thousand yards last year, Bijan Robinson, who obviously they drafted this year, as well as Cordero Patterson, who's been there for a while and just is an overall very, you know, very solid, uh, you know, high floor type of player. And so in a case like the Falcons, they're going to be a run heavy team. And they've already said that, you know, you've, you've seen that you've seen the, uh, you know, the training camp videos and everything. Bijan Robinson is going to be out in the slot receiver. So in in a case like the Falcons, you, it's, it's honestly might be worth it to, to draft a Tyler Dalgier or a Bijan Robinson, because not only are they going to be able to provide you with different kind of, you know, different routes to getting a lot of points. uh, But since the running game is going to be so focused in that type of offense, you're going to, you're going to get your guarantee points there regardless. Right. And, and to contrast that with a guy like Drake London, who really surprised last year, he had one of the best rookie ride receiver uh, seasons, you know, at all, of everyone last year. And he's now basically the number one receiver in Atlanta. And you're saying, oh, that's a great thing. Right. But it's like, then you got to think about what I just said, right. That the Falcons offense is going to be extremely run heavy and you have Desmond Ritter at the quarterback position. So all of that leads me to think that Drake London is probably not the most valuable wide receiver pick this year. Obviously, you know, if there's nobody else to draft, then yeah, but, but that you shouldn't necessarily be reaching for a guy like, uh you know, like Drake London, whereas you know as we've seen Bijan Robinson apparently is going to get all these catches where he might have just as many catches as Drake London or at least be you know have have a similar target share where he'll be able to you know have a chance at getting those uh you know similar amount of of, of catches uh as as it may be right so i think that, that that's kind of my my second point there of of just being able to know your depth charts not only to be able to identify what players are playing what positions in what offensive schemes but also to be able to, to maybe handcuff yourself in case your your players get injured or at least just know who the backups are. Because in some cases, like the backups or or the guys that are kind of coming off the bench are going to get a lot more work than than maybe other. Last example I'll give, this just kind of came to mind when I was thinking of it. Obviously you have Travis Kelsey, who's the best time in the tight end of the game. Could argue that he should be the number one pick overall in in the in draft. Like he's, he's probably just as valuable, I think, as Justice Jefferson and Jamar Chase, in my opinion. Um, but Kansas City has like, Three other tight ends like Justin Watson, Noah Gray, and these guys are all guys who have who caught touchdown passes last year and are in goal line sets because they run you know those crazy three and four tight end sets that the, that the Chiefs have. So obviously Travis Kelsey is going to get his work right, but and that's just an example. And and so yeah, so you take out Travis Kelsey, there's like three tight ends that can score touchdowns for the Chiefs. So do you really want to draft one of the Chiefs' tight ends because like? obviously you have Travis, Travis Kells there who's going to get all the work well yeah if maybe one of those tight ends ends up getting more points or more touchdowns or at least uh, you know a, a, a more a, a bigger target share in the red zone then you know than, than the tight end on on you know on the raiders um who I don't even know who it is anymore cuz they traded Darren Waller and Foster Moreau so exactly i think that's like perfect perfect example that i just gave there uh cuz clearly you know i don't know who it is so so, yeah, I think that's just kind of, you know, to kind of close that out is like, you know, the depth charts are extremely important in being able to figure out, you know, who the players that you're drafting, how they're going to fare in their own scheme, uh, as well as, you know, how likely they are to, to maybe be overcome by by someone who's who's kind of maybe on the depth chart behind them.
0: All right. Great way to wrap up our strategy section. We're going to quickly move into busts and breakouts. We're going to have two different segments here. It's going to be pretty quick. We're not going to go super in depth. We're just going to give, you know, one or two reasons why we think each guy's either going to be a bust or a breakout. So I'm going to, we're going to first go into bust. So let's do that. So my first bust here is going to be Deontay Johnson. Now this is a guy that I had on my team last year and it's not that he didn't do well for me last year. That's not why I'm hating on him this year. It's just that I think that there's other options in, in Pittsburgh right now that are a lot better. Okay. Um, there I mean there there's obviously George Pickens, who's arguably the number one receiver in, in Pittsburgh right now. And there's also a dude named Calvin Austin, who if you haven't seen him run, I mean he's he's like a gazelle, but fast. He's like he's like a cheetah, actually. I mean, he's not Tyreek Hill, but he's uh maybe a leopard, I guess is a better comparison for him. He's super fast, and he even might take over a, a bigger responsibility this year. I I kind of predict that he will. So I think that Deontay Johnson is a little bit outdated. He's very much a possession receiver. He barely catches touchdowns. He probably had no more than like 3 touchdowns last year. He gets a lot of receptions. Yes, he's probably he's probably going to have a couple games of, you know, 10 or 11 catches this year, but I I think even that's going to regress regress too. I see his receptions regressing and his his yards regressing as a result of that. He never even really has that many yards in comparison to how many catches he gets. And so yeah, he's he's very much like a like, you know, eight catches for 83 yards type guy, which again, that'll give you 16.3 points. But if he's not going to have a bunch of catches in a game, he's definitely not going to have a touchdown and you can can guarantee you that. So it's like, if he's not going to have a lot of catches, which I don't think he will this year, I think there's going to be other guys that are going to take over a bigger role. Why draft a guy, a guy like Deontay Johnson. It just doesn't really make sense in my eyes this year. So that's why he's one of my busts.
1: I'm going to stay on the Steelers, actually, and I'm going to go to the running back position with Najee Harris. Uh, This is a guy who has he's he's always he's just, he's performed really well in the season that he's been in um his rookie year was obviously his best last year he kind of fell off a little bit but the argument could be made that the offense around him is just kind of the way they run it and whatever is just is just kind of not up to snuff but this year I just kind of get the feeling because I had him on a couple fantasy teams last year because I thought he was going to go crazy and everything and, and it just seemed like he he never like he he would he would get so many goal line carries and he never scored and and it became a thing like he, he only got like a couple touchdowns like like maybe four or five touchdowns last year and at a couple games over a hundred yards. But again, you know, when you're talking about a running back, like you want the touchdowns because those are worth the most points. And in the preseason, I don't know if you guys have been watching, but Jalen Warren has been going off and he was even getting, you know, a lot of work last year. Obviously, you know, Najee Harris is still the primary back and, and he's also the third down and, and goal line back too. So in terms of touchdown share, like it's probably going to regress from last year in a positive way, meaning that he'll get more touchdowns this year, uh, simply because he was kind of just unlucky last year when it came to goal line touches and, and trying to knock it into the end zone. But Jalen Warren's a great, I think going to be a great option for a handcuff, possibly if you, if you, if you do kind of end up in that situation where you kind of like, all right, I kind of, I do have to draft Najee Harris here. Jalen Warren's going to be a great handy handcuff. I think he'll, I mean. He'll definitely get, you know, probably first and second down carries as well. Uh, but but I think his his main thing is going to be catching the ball out of the out of the backfield and potentially two in the slot because he's already impressed so much this year in the preseason. He did well last year, even during the regular season when he did get work. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of end up going to more of a running back up by committee in Pittsburgh where Najee Harris kind of gets gets shifted out a little bit more for Jalen Warren, who's kind of a a more versatile running back when it comes to being able to catch passes out of the backfield in the Steelers offense, which has been a little bit stale the last couple of years. And I think with Kenny Pickett kind of coming into his own second year, you know, more experience in the offense uh, and a team that again, overall the Steelers are are probably the most, you know, just, just consistently good solid team that that you're going to find out there. uh, You know, they're going to be able to figure it out on offense. I just, I just kind of have faith in that, but but I think kind of being able to diversify where they're going at the running back position, it's, it seems like a good idea. And it seems like they're kind of, that's what they're, at least what they're doing now, obviously they're, they're they don't want to put Najee out there in the preseason because see, they don't want him to get hurt and whatever. Um, but as for as good as Jalen Warren's looking, I, I think he could really kind of take a piece of this offense that you're not really expecting. So obviously, right. Najee's still going to get all the, all the goal line carries. He'll get all the touchdowns probably. Um, but, but obviously, right. I mean, we were talking about PPR a lot to begin the episode. Jalen Warren's a perfect candidate for that. So, uh, so yeah, so Najee Harris, unfortunately, I mean, I drafted the guy a lot last year. And maybe that's just like me being like sad and 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 salty because he didn't do well last year. And I think he's going to be a bust this year. But I could see it happening, especially with the with the rise of Jalen Warren.
0: Yeah, I think also you're right with the rise of Kenny Pickett. I think that in a second year they're going to let him air it out a lot more and he's just going to be a lot more comfortable on that offense. They're going to be more of a passing offense this year than they have been. Still it's a Steelers, so they're probably going to still be very much ground and pound as Steelers fans like it to be. But I think it's gonna be it's gonna be more pass heavy than it was last year, at least, and that's gonna be even worse for Najee Harris. So, it's a good point. My second one here is actually Kenneth Walker. It's a guy that we were praising for having such a good year last year. They got Zach Charbonnet in the draft this past year, a uh, guy out of UCLA running back. He's actually really good. I think he's also a pass catcher, or he's he's at least a decent pass catcher. So, obviously, Kenneth Walker is gonna have number you know RB one duties or number one back duties in Seattle. He's going to start off the season as a lead back, but Zach Charbonnet is going to take a lot of those carries that Kenneth Walker had all to himself last year. I mean, last year he had, uh, I think he had like Travis Homer as as his backup, as his only backup. And that was basically it. And maybe DJ Dallas, the guy that they took off the practice squad half to, halfway through the year when, uh, when Rashad Penny got hurt. But other than that, like Kenneth Walker was the only back in Seattle. So I think that people are forgetting that. They're looking at him this year like, oh, my gosh, he's going to be a gem again this year. I don't think he's going to pop off as as crazy as he did last year. Again, maybe that was, you know, that was even maybe above and beyond, according to most standards. But I think that Kenneth Walker is going to regress a good bit this year. It's going to kind of even out more with Zach Charbonnet getting some of those carries and some of the, the pass catching duties as well. So Kenneth Walker, I think he's still going to be pretty good, but he's got he's not going to be as good as people are, are projecting them to be, I don't think he should be going as high as he is in draft in fantasy drafts this year. So be on the lookout for that. Not quite a bust. You know, I'm, I'm not, proje- it's not as much of a bust as I think Deontay Johnson is going to be, but I think it, I think he's, he's definitely rated way too high.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see that. Um, And, and I think too, it was like one of those things where, Nobody had a film on him, you know. Nobody had nobody expected him to really be playing, and then he just kind of came onto the scene and was just a just a dog. He he's one of those guys. Just again, classic Seattle running back that like Chris Carson. Like the dude just ran hard, and Kenneth Walker is the exact same way. And yeah. if that's any indication, Zach Charbonnet is probably going to be the same way too, because Seattle just finds a way to draft these 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 hard nosed running backs. But and again, we saw the same. And as he mentioned, Rashad Penny's uh you know glass bones that style of running lends itself to also being hurt. And again, we we don't want to make this whole bus section about like, well, it's just more likely these guys get injured, but that's, that's a part of fantasy football. Like you have to kind of, you have to project for that if you want to be able to draft a successful team. And I think that with the, with the style of, of, you know, of running that Kenneth Walker has, and he already got hurt a little bit last year to the, towards the end of the year uh, you know, it wouldn't be surprised if, if he kind of, you know, he'll get a lot of the work and he'll just kind of run himself into the ground and and end up uh, maybe on the, uh, maybe on the injury report, unfortunately. Uh, my next bust is going to be Justin Fields. Uh, I know a lot has been said about the potential for the bears to be good again this season, or at least make a, make a, a transformative jump in comparison to what they were last year. I want to go on record that no, we haven't done the NFC North preview yet. That's going to be uh, part of next week's episode. What I said last year that I wouldn't be surprised if the bears had the least wins in the NFL. Now, uh, did I expect it to go the way that it ended up happening where the the Houston Texans were on track for that? And then in the last second, they throw a hail Mary and get a touchdown to send the game to overtime against the Colts and then win by a two point conversion. No, I, I, I didn't think that was going to happen, but the bears ended up with the number one pick. They obviously traded it to, uh, to Carolina, but, but I projected this team to be horrible last year. And I'm I'm gonna do the same this year. Okay, they spent like 55 million dollars in Tremaine Edmonds, who's a good, serviceable linebacker, but not that's nothing that's going to significantly impact your defensive performance, which was horrible last year. I mean, you think about all of the stats that Justin Fields put up, and he was a good fantasy quarterback last year, right? You think about the offense, you know, that that the Bears were able to put up last year. You want to know how many how many games of the last the last 11 games that they won in the season, Hayden? How many games did they win in the last 11 games? Zero. Zero. That's One. exactly right. Despite Zero. the fact about, you know, how great Justin Fields was and all this stuff. So, well, I think that, and again, I can kind of see, you know, why you're thinking, all right, well, yeah, your argument just points to Justin Fields having a good, a good fantasy season. Again, I just think it's not going to be projected. He's projected to be a, have a top 10 quarter, a top 10 year, you know, as, as it pertains to, to being a fantasy quarterback. I don't think that's, I think that's, that's a, that's not a real realistic season or ceiling for, for Justin Fields. I think that, you know, his rushing upside is there, obviously, but again, he, he was running for his life because he, he had no protection. He had the, one of the worst offensive lines in football, and they improved, quote unquote, this year by basically just drafting Darnell Wright and then getting Trevin Jackson, and then I get the notification, the beach notification right before we uh, recorded this episode, actually, that Trevon Jackson is now going to be out for at least like half the half the season. So it's like, that's a big piece of your offensive line that's now missing, and you're counting on Darnell Wright, who's a rookie, to, to be... You know, your, your best protector. I like I, I don't I don't really get it. So while yes. And, and again, the injury concerns are always there, too. He was hurt towards the end of the season. Again, I don't want to make this the injury section, Um, but but it's it's I think it's a reality. And I think that the way that the Bears just have decided to build this team, which is let's get a really dynamic athletic quarterback and then just kind of try to figure it out on the back end. That's not working. And, and yeah, they traded down and they got a good a lot of good capital for for that trade with Carolina, including DJ Moore, who I was gonna put DJ Moore on the bust list because it was only going to be a product of Justin Fields. So realistically, I mean, if Justin Fields goes crazy rushing and has a thousand rushing yards, he's going to be a great fantasy player. So maybe just DJ Moore was probably the, the guy that I wanted, that I probably should have put on here now, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more. Um, But again, DJ Moore hasn't had good receivers for his entire career. I feel really bad for the guy because he's stuck in Carolina with, with some really crappy quarterbacks and he still performs. So, I mean, again, maybe he'll be able to do it in Chicago, but, but yeah, I just think that the, Chicago has done nothing to support Justin Fields. They're like, oh, he's a great athlete, so he'll be able to do it. And it's like, that's not how you build a team uh like you know their defense is still going to be one of the worst in the league their offensive line is still one of the worst in the league that lends itself to justin fields having to do it all by himself and i don't think he's going to be able to replicate a lot of what he did last year because it was a rookie year well yeah his rookie year he played well he ran a lot i think they're going to want to protect him there he he proved that he can be a franchise quarterback or at least a, a good enough quarterback going forward for that franchise so that I don't think that they want to risk him by having him run, you know, for, for 150 yards a game. There were, there were multiple games last year where he had more rushing yards than passing yards. And while yes, the rushing yards are an upside for a quarterback when it comes to fantasy. That's just that, like that mentality of like, he's like, I have to run more than I have to, the more than I'm able to pass. That's not a good, that's not a good mentality to have, especially in the NFL, when everybody's going to be coming for you now that they've had a full year of film. And again, you're going to be considered an easy win on a lot of these teams schedules. So I, I just, I just don't see the upside for Justin Fields this year.
0: All right, my next bust is not one player, but it's multiple, and it's any Kansas City Chiefs running back. They do not draft them now. If it's the later rounds and you need some guy like Jarek McKinnon, maybe Isaiah Pacheco, but I've I've even heard that Isaiah Pacheco, well, he he had an energy, I mean energy injury in the Super Bowl last year. I think he had like a broken wrist. He played with a broken wrist in the Super Bowl last year, so I think he might still be kind of recovering from that and may still be a little bit shaken up. At the beginning of the season, here from that. But any Kansas City running back, you don't want to go near. I think they still have Clyde Edwards Hilaire too. And he's definitely fallen off ever since he had those couple really good seasons when Patrick Mahomes kind of came onto the scene and they won that uh that that Super Bowl, that first Super Bowl. Ever since then, Kansas City running running backs have not been good. And no matter who they are, it's it's because it's they they ride with a hot hand, and that's been able to win the Super Bowls but it's not going to win you your fantasy league let me tell you that so do not draft uh, Kansas City running backs whatever you do pick them up off waiver wires if you want like I did with Jarek McKinnon last year it may work out for you if you really need a running back but again they're not even really within the draft realm at all you shouldn't really be thinking of them as an RB1 or an RB2 maybe a flex option but again that's that's kind of something that you do after you see how your team is doing already during the season. So it's gonna be a waiver wire thing. Don't go drafting them really high. And right, right. No matter what you hear about Jarek McKinnon catching a bunch of passes, it's not going to be consistent for the whole year. I can guarantee you that. So don't draft the the, the Kansas City running backs. They're gonna be bust
1: Yeah, I I I agree unfortunately. Um it's just yeah again it's it's tough and and they do amazingly with it. And you're like, oh my God, you have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to you. Like you, you need to get these guys. But right, you can you just kinda of never can project who's gonna do well. And, and maybe it's maybe it's an you know, kind of take after last year, right? Hayden mentioned he he picked up Jared McKinnon halfway through the season and did great with him, right? I don't think Jared McKinnon's gonna have as big of an impact this year. Maybe he does, right? So but I don't think he's going to be, I don't think it's worth drafting anybody, but definitely I would say pay attention to the waiver wire when it comes to Kansas city running backs, because that's a, that's, that's a position where I think that once they kind of find a guy, that's going to be kind of their guy, similar to what McKinnon was last year, that could be, that could provide some value going forward in the kind of maybe the back half of the season. My last bus is going to be B. John Robinson. I mentioned it a little bit earlier when I was talking about the Falcons backfield. That was more to give an, give a, I guess, a preview for, for this section where it's, he's going top, t- he's a top going in the top 10. I don't understand this. Okay. Yes. He'll probably catch a lot of passes. That's fine. But Tyler Algier. Was a rookie running back last year and got over a thousand yards. And Arthur Smith has come out and said that Tyler Algier is going to be their starting running back. Like he has said it. They've put Bijan Robinson third on the depth chart behind Cordell Patterson. I understand the upside that Bijan Robinson had. And believe me, I think he's the best athlete that came out of the draft this year. This guy's a stud, and it's awesome that the that the Falcons drafted him because they're just going to have so many options for the run game. But that's exactly the point. They're going to have too many options for Bijan to be able to top, be able to be a top ten performing running back when it comes to fantasy. Again, if he's in the slot, like on like fifty percent of his snaps, okay, fine. You know, maybe maybe he can get a lot of PPR points and, and stuff like that. But even still, like, okay, PPR, but that's boy, that's based on having a quarterback and get the ball to you. As much as I love the Falcons this year, I'm not the highest on Desmond Ritter, or at least he hasn't really shown us that he can kind of, you know, do amazing as a, as a, as a passer. And so, you know, I think when you're getting an Austin Eckler, you're getting Justin Herbert behind him, right? But if you're getting Bijan Robinson, you're only drafting him for the PPR value you're getting Desmond Ritter behind him. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a promising, uh, a pr- promising outlook. So uh, yeah, I, I just, and again, maybe he, right. Maybe he becomes a starter. Okay, fine. But even still, like, there's no guarantee that he's going to get all the goal line carries. Uh, and so I think that if anything, I, I'm I'm going to be, I'm going to be sticking with Tyler Algier. Honestly, I'm going to draft Tyler Algier before I draft Bijan Robinson, simply because Algier has more, he has more experience in the offense. He played last year. He performed really well last year. He led, he led all rookies in, in rushing last year. And so I think that that's just a ton of upside that you're throwing away by being like, okay, we got a top, you know, a top 10 pick in the draft this year in the NFL draft. He's also a top 10 pick in fantasy drafts, but I just don't see it this year for Bijan John Robinson. He right again, he might be, yeah, you know, might be top 20, whatever, but, but don't waste a first round pick on Bijan Robinson, no matter what you do.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a great take by Matt. I completely agree with what he's saying there about Bijan John Robinson. I've I'm going to stay away from Bijan in all my drafts. I stayed away from him in the first round of my other one. Took Stephon Diggs instead of Bijan, and I'm I'm completely fine with it. Trust me, I'm very much better off with uh, with Stephon Diggs than Bijan Robinson, in my opinion, in terms of shape, safe picks. So this last one, this last bust might be a little bit obvious, but Michael Thomas, dude, wide receiver for the Saints. Matt already said it. Chris Olave's essentially the bona fide wide receiver one in that offense already. Michael Thomas, it, it's been like six years since he's played, since he's actually played football. You know, an an, an actual season since he's actually ran a route other than a slant since he's, you know, actually caught a ball that may have been out of reach. Like it's it's been a long time since he's done anything worth talking about in in the NFL. So uh, so please don't draft him because he's not going to be good no matter what you've seen about him saying that he's the healthiest he's, he's ever been. He's not. I can guarantee he says he said that before, so he's not he's lying if he's saying it. And uh, if he's not saying it, well, good, because he's not going to do anything this year. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like one of the biggest Michael Thomas haters there is. I feel bad for the dude in some sense because he has had some nagging injuries like toe injuries are really hard to deal with. People think that it's, you know, kind of like a princess injury, but toe injuries for receivers are especially bad because of the cuts that they need to make. So I can understand that. But. I mean, dude, all the dragged out injuries that he's had with, with, with the treatment that these NFL guys get and with how fast other guys are able to come back from the same injuries that he's had, there's no way that he's actually wanting to play football. So don't don't draft a guy that's not going to want to be on the field.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to take your advice here. Dude, I'm just. Uh, it always. It always. I, I like. I just feel so tempted. I'm like, it's this. It's the 17th round, and this guy who had so yeah. much potential and so yeah. much performance for all those years, he's still available. He's like, it's like a drug. I'm like, I need to draft Michael Thomas. I need to draft yeah. Michael Thomas. So yeah. I'll. Uh, I'll try to keep that in mind as I go through my four days in a row of of, of drafting fantasy uh, fantasy teams this this coming weekend. Let's move over to the breakouts slash sleepers section. <laughs> And I'm going to start it off with another Pittsburgh player. That's going to be George Pickens. I think he's going to have a great year. Now, I think this is probably more of a, I don't know, fantasy value. Maybe not. The the basis of the argument here is that the offense, I think, is going to be better just with Kenny Pickett having another year. In the offense, you know, just getting more experience. And I think that they're going to want to, they're going to be able to, they're going to let him loose a little bit more. I think they're going to let him throw it down the field a lot. And we've just, we've seen, we've seen the videos we've seen even last year when they weren't even really throwing to him that much, how much George Pickens was able to do. I understand the argument of kind of why Hayden put Deontay Johnson on the bus list. And I, and I get that, right? And the argument for Deontay Johnson has always been receptions and he's always gotten a ton of receptions, but not a lot of yards and not a lot of touchdowns. So from a PPR perspective, Deontay Johnson's a good, you know, a good option, but I, I, I definitely understand Hayden's argument about being like there's other receivers there. He hasn't gotten a lot of target share. And if he's not, that's like, he doesn't really have any, you know, a a ton of worth there. Now George Pickens is not a guy who's going to get a ton of target share, but I, I put him on here mostly just because I think the potential is, is so high for like, Especially touchdown, you know, touchdown just in the red zone, you know, just just his touchdown share or target share in the red zone for percentage of touchdowns and stuff like that uh, is is going to be a lot higher than it was last year. And 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 it, he's just kind of proving, I think, already that it's like nobody can really guard this guy. So, uh, you know, he's not going to be your Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown type receiver for the Steelers who's going to get you know, twelve catches a game, but only like sixty yards. Um, but but I think that he has a lot more touchdown. Pr- uh, Potential and 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 also can can just kind of he's probably going to get more target share than he did last year and I and I think that to kind of sum up the argument with the old Deontay Johnson thing I'll probably I think that he's definitely going to steal targets from Deontay Johnson if that's if if anything um so I think that's probably the way that I'm that I'm going to put Deon or that's what that's the way that I'm going to be drafting George Pickens and and kind of putting him on the on the sleeper list here.
0: All right, my first breakout slash sleeper is Khalil Herbert. Now David Montgomery left the Bears as their lead back to go to the um to go to the Detroit Lions, which I'm not going to comment on that. But I will comment on Khalil Herbert. Whenever Montgomery was hurt, Khalil Herbert came in and seemed to be better. I mean, he's, he's a better pass catcher. It seems like he's a better athlete all around. I think he's I mean, David Montgomery may have been the better power back and just better for, I guess, you know, first and second down situations. But as a third down backslash really good handicap for David Montgomery. I think Khalil Herbert has a lot of upside this year with that. Now that he's coming into RB one duties or getting the full load or the most of the load in, in Chicago this year, the only other running back they really have that's of note is Deontay Foreman who has been good, but he's really always been a backup in Carolina. He had a couple games here and there where Tuba Hubbard got hurt or Christian McCaffrey and Tuba Hubbard got hurt. And he kind of came in for a couple games and started, but like, he's never really had full running back duties. I don't think he's going to have that in Chicago. I don't think anything's really going to change with him. And I think Kilo Herbert's going to get a lot of those carries, even if I think he's going to be like a third, first, second and third down back there. And that's something that you love to see in fantasy on an offense that, like Matt said, could be bad, but also could be really good. If, if Justin Fields is able to kind of run that read option really well, he could, you know, he could really open things up for Khalil Herbert in the run game at least. And so I think we're going to see a lot of pass catching from Khalil Herbert as well as, you know, some some good ground yards and hopefully a lot of touchdowns. I mean, if that offense is, is productive in general, Khalil Herbert's bound to do well in the touchdown realm as well. So, pass catcher, three down back. I think that Khalil Herbert's kind of got it all set up for himself there in Chicago this year. I'm, I'm pretty high on him.
1: I don't know about that. This is the only one that I have a little bit of pushback on. I think. And again, take it with a grain of salt because I suck at fantasy football. So Hayden's probably right at this one, but at least in my mind, Deontay Foreman's a really good running back. He played in Carolina last year. Yeah, he did okay. But he was also in those years. He played for Tennessee those years when Derrick Henry went down early. Deontay Foreman came in for him and it was funny because they looked like the same guy because they both have dreads coming out of the back of their head and they're like, you know, big burly running backs. So Deontay Foreman and, and Derrick Henry looked exactly alike. So you maybe thought they were the same player, but he played really well for Tennessee. He You know, he, he basically got around the same stats that Derrick Henry did when Derrick Henry was out um, and then obviously played well in Carolina last year. So he's the second running back, and then they drafted Roshon Johnson, who was the other running back from Texas. In addition to Bijan Robinson, who was basically just as well—not just going to be Bijan, but you know, a, still a very, a very talented running back who was again talented enough to get drafted. Um, even though the starting running back from that same team was also drafted uh, in the top ten, and he's been performing really well in the preseason. Roshon Johnson has hes hes, he's he, i watched. Um, I remember what game it was i think they were playing the texans or something, one of the preseason games and uh and and he was he was he got the ball he runs hard he was you know he was, he was going for extra yards so i i guess and again you never know how the coach is going to play any of this stuff um but but if i that's just kind of the only hesitation i have with that pick is that just i i feel like the other running backs they have there are are really good and good enough to where if they get in they're going to be able to perform but obviously Hayden's right. Little Herbert has a starting role and he's kind of been, he's been a perfect backup to debate David Montgomery for all this time. Now that I think they want to give him his shine. And clearly they like him enough to be able to trade David Montgomery away in division too. They turned him to the lions. Right. So they're like, all right, we're good enough to give David Montgomery to a division opponent that we're going to play twice a year. Cause we, you know, cause I, I assume that they like uh, they like little Herbert enough. So I, I think that at the end of the day, you know, I, you can't get, really go wrong um, with that. The only, the only, obviously the only caution again, yeah, I, one of the worst offensive lines in football. So are they even going to be able to block for these guys? You know, who knows? But I think, you know, we'll we'll, we'll have to see on that. My second breakout uh, slash sleeper uh, guy is going to be Joe Mixon, uh, running back for the, for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is an interesting one. Obviously, he's been with the Bengals for a really long time. The Bengals are known now as kind of the, you know, the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, TK, TK Higgins show, where they're throwing it all over the field and everything like that. Joe Mixon has been has been a quietly good fantasy player for the last couple of years. I had him on one of my teams last year. He, he performed really well because he's he's kind of like, I mean, you know, if if the Bengals are going to, going to go away from the pass game, they're going to hand it to, to Joe Mixon, but everybody expects the Bengals to pass all the, all the time. So Joe Mixon kind of gets that extra work. Uh, he had a five-touchdown game last year, remember, against the Panthers. He just, for whatever reason, just had five rushing touchdowns. That was insane. Uh, and I think, too, and this is kind of a kind of some off the field motivation he got into another one of those fight again i don't even know what happened but again off the field issues where he's getting in fights with people and he's like i I don't it wasn't as bad as the college thing when he was at oklahoma and he was and he like punched the girl in the face and knocked her out but he got in a fight with a guy i think this time at least he's picked on a guy this time um but still like had like an arrest or like not an arrest but like a warrant or whatever and basically came back to the team because the team was going to cut the Bengals were going to cut him, And then he was just like, I'm going to take a pay cut. He basically took, he cut his salary in half for the year. And I think it's a contract year too. So in addition to kind of the, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, the separation of like the, from the past game to the run game in Cincinnati, where Joe Mixon's going to get, Oh, and they also traded Samaje Pirine who was a good running back, you know, good backup uh, last year. Samajay Pirine played really well. He's on the Broncos now. So it's Joe Mixon. And then I, I don't even know who they're back at. I don't I don't even remember the name of their backup. So, so his backup left. He's going to get probably just as much work as last year. And the extra motivation of being like, he has to be a good team player because he's had so much off-the-field issues that he knows if he has something go wrong one more time, he's out of the league, man. So I like Joe Mixon a lot for this year, despite his personality and, and character uh, woes, which I don't think are going to get any better.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it is a good thing that he's not punching girls, though. That's that's a, a start to for Joe Mixon. But my next breakout slash sleeper here is Sky Moore. Now, I've heard mixed things on Sky Moore, but I think I've heard more good things, and I think I feel better about Sky Moore than than I do badly about him. Last year, I was not high at all, and, and people were saying that last year he was going to break out. I was like, dude, no. Just because Tyreek Hill is gone, and he is some speedy dude from Central Michigan, like that... Western really Michigan, at, Western Michigan, dang it, Western Michigan. I was thinking Wyoming, and I was like, no, it's Central Michigan. And then yeah, it's Western Michigan. It's that, uh, it's that, it's that other uh, brown and yellow school. Not yeah. that's not Wyoming. It's, but, it's, it's uh, another
1: directional Michigan school.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. So anyway, in Kansas City, obviously they don't have really any good wide receivers other than Travis Kelsey. Their catching options just aren't aren't the best. I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling is arguably the number one wide receiver there other than Kadarius Tony, but Kadarius Tony won't even know. Like we, I mean, dude, he could, he could, he could break every bone in his body at this point and it'd be normal. So we never really know where Kadarius Tony's going to be. So I've kind of left him out, out of this whole thing. I actually drafted him in my, in my draft um, on Sunday, just, just in case, <laughs> because if he is healthy, then he's going to be the number one wide receiver on that team. Let me tell you, but Sky Moore, assuming Kadarius Tony either gets hurt or it doesn't really perform up to his full potential, which is pretty likely. Uh, I think Sky Moore is going to have a great season this year. And I think receptions are very much in store for him. He's a guy that catches screen passes. I mean, he he plays out of the slot a lot, but he'll catch, he'll catch, you know, a little dump off screen passes here and there. Like he'll, he'll get receptions for you yards. I don't know. He's still kind of finding his way, but he's a second year guy. He knows more the speed of the NFL now. He's going to be played a lot more. Like last year, he—I feel like he wasn't even really played that much in the offense. I think they're going to really start using him a lot more, especially with Kadarius Tony kind of up in the air, whether he's going to get out there and play this year. Um, so I think Sky Moore is is kind of more of a, a good safety belt in that in that regard. And I think i mean, Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling had the most drops or the most like drop percentage in the league last year. I don't think they're going to be thrown to him that much this year. So I think Sky Moore could, in some alternate universe maybe even this universe come out and be wide receiver one wide receiver one, not fantasy wise because they're tight end there. Travis Kelsey is going to be wide receiver one, but wide receiver uh, roster wise. He could be, could be the wide receiver one in Kansas city this year.
1: Yeah. I mean like who else is there, right? I mean like they got rid of Tyreek Hill two years ago and then last year was Juju. They get rid of him. Right. And like, okay, it's Marquez Valdez. Scantling is basically not the number one wide receiver in Kansas city right now, but not really like he's a deep threat okay cool um and so yeah I, I definitely like that pick because right there's it's almost we're to the point where okay they're drafting all these young guys and right they get to garrett to garrett to Kadarius tony on the roster but there's not much else so i think you almost have to kind of take take Sky more to be a number two wide right receiver at this point and and again he's more of kind of a you know a shifty guy kind of playing the McCole hardman role um Cole Hartman was a fine fantasy player. They also got rid of him last year. Oh my God. Yeah. So they got rid of two wide receivers from last year, in addition to Ty- Tyreek Hill two years ago. So yeah, I think Skymore is going to have a good season as well. My next guy is James Connor. I mean, this dude, the Cardinals kept nothing in, in their off-season transactions and everything that they're trying to do. They're obviously tanking for, for Caleb Williams, but they're keeping James Conner and he is, is going to get all the work. He did really well last year. He was a great fantasy running back last year and he came out before the season and was basically like, yeah, it looks like my team doesn't want to win, but like, I'm always going to win. And it's just like, this guy is just, he, he's just a dog. Like he has, he has that mentality of like, he's no one's ever going to beat him. He's going to try as hard as he can all the time. Uh, he's obviously going to get a ton of, I mean, he gets, he gets all the carries. He's going to get a ton of goal line carries too. They're they are probably not going to be at the goal line very much just because of how bad this team is supposed to be. Um, but I mean, right. The quarterback is now Josh Dobbs because they got rid of, they got rid of Colt McCoy. So you know, Kyler Murray can maybe come back by Halloween or something, but who knows again, like they're, they're not trying to win and they're setting up for a trade for Kyler Murray anyway. So it's just, it's, it's, it's such bad news in Arizona that I think the only positive and the only offense I think that's going to come out of it is James Conner. So I love the prospect of James Conner for this year. Um, Again, I just kind of, you kind of have to hope that the offense is like, is like competent enough to where he gets enough carries to be able to warrant, you know, like the touchdown percentage and all that. But, but I think that, you know, he, he played, he was really under the radar last year and I think that he knows and he wants to play even better this year. So, uh, so yeah, I love James Conner this year.
0: Yeah. James Conner also beat leukemia in college. So he's 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 obviously a fighter and you know, who wouldn't root for a guy like that? My next guy here, my third breakout slash sleeper here is Zay flowers from the Ravens. He's been kind of under the radar when, when the Ravens drafted him, everybody was going crazy. Like, Oh my gosh, you know, him and Odell are going to be so good for Lamar, but nobody's really talking about him now. I feel like everybody's still kind of looks at Lamar in the same regard as "Oh, he's going to have to run the ball a lot. So I was to draft him in fantasy, which yes, he's still going to run the, run the ball a lot, but I think he's going to be, he's going to have more weapons in Odell and Zay flowers. I think that Zay flowers, I mean, Odell is kind of old at this point, you know, he's, he's still a pretty good player and he looks, I mean, if you, if you've seen the dude with the shirt off, like he, he looks like he's 22, but he's really 32 or whatever. So it's like, yeah, he looks better than his age. But, um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But Zay Flowers, I, I mean, he's young as can be. And I mean, he, he's, he's a small guy, but we've seen guys like Tyree Kill. And Zay Flowers is a speedster, let me tell you. I mean, Boston College, dude, if you watch his highlights from Boston College, like he was insane at Boston College. And I hate to go off of what rookies were like in their – you know, in, in their final years in college because it's a much different game than the NFL, obviously. But I, I still see, I mean, in training camp, I've seen videos of this guy just dusting guys. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. I think that he's a, a really good, you know, kind of just, again, wait, maybe waiver wire pick, maybe a guy that doesn't get picked in your league. If, if it's a couple rounds, less than 16 rounds, maybe 14 round league, he probably doesn't get picked. You can pick him up off waiver wires and or replace a guy that's down on your depth chart and you know kind of just roll with him for and and see how he goes for the beginning part of the season I I would honestly draft him if I were you if if your league has 16 rounds draft him and see how he does because I think he's he could really succeed there with a bona fide QB in Lamar who has just been praying for guys to pray to to throw to so he's obviously going to want to air it out to guys like Zay Flowers so definitely definitely be on the lookout for Zay Flowers this year
1: yeah I agree with this totally I mean obviously I'm about the biggest uh Ravens stand that could that could possibly exist right now. But yeah, I mean he was performing in the preseason. He looked really good. And yeah, I mean, we don't you don't always want to judge the rookie by by the college stuff. But Zay Flowers is one of those guys that like Boston College is so bad and had no quarterback play and no offense. But like one of those situations where he always scored touchdowns and he always was open. And oh, and it's like he was being triple covered in college and he was getting open and just darting through so yeah it's, it's one of the situations where like when it's that bad of a situation and he still is one of the best receivers in all of college that's when you know this guy's this guy's pretty special so um so moving on to my last guy here it's gonna be brandon cooks this is kind of a definitely a lower down the totem pole one kind of pulling it but I, brandon cooks just look just Pull up his page on sports reference or wherever you're getting your stats. I think he's had a thousand yards in basically every season that he's like, you know, started a full season. Um, A lot of those were in like Houston with, like in between the Deshaun Watson years uh, and and he was with the Patriots for a year and still got, I think he still got a thousand yards even when he was with the Patriots and, and uh, you know, a few years ago. So I I love the, the, the prospect of Brandon cooks. Who's a, he's a, he's a veteran guy who knows his stuff. He's one of the best route runners still in the league. Um, and, and, and it's just, and it's just kind of your classic, like, just good, solid foundational receiver that you want to have on a team. And he's fits perfectly with the Cowboys and what they're trying to do. Obviously you have CD lamb, who's, who's the number one receiver, you know, with Dallas and, and he's the speedster and he makes all the crazy catches. So he'll be kind of the, you know, the number one guy, obviously, if you're, you don't, you don't draft Brandon cooks before you draft CD lamb. But, but I think that for as much as the Cowboys have had success on offense in the last couple of years, you know, their receivers have just kind of been on and off and hurt. And Michael Gallup is, you know, always kind of, he's in and out of the lineup a lot, but, but Brandon cooks is such a solid guy who just is going to give you production, no matter what team he's on. And he's been on so such bad teams in the past, like pretty much his whole career. Um, you know, aside from maybe a couple of years with Deshaun Watson, but when, you know, when he was good with Houston, uh, so, so yeah, so I, I love the prospect of, of Brandon cooks for this Cowboys team. And, and I think that obviously, right. He, he's, this is not going to be, you know, Joe Mixon's going to be a second round pick, Obviously, I think that he's going to have a great year and he's going to be a, you know, a breakout for me, quote unquote. Um, But I think a sleeper definitely is going to be a guy like Brandon Cooks, who, you know, it was kind of being underdrafted. He's not really thought about that much in terms of, you know, his performance within the Cowboys offense, but the fact that he's never been in an offense like this and that this offense suits him for what, you know, for what, like, for what the Cowboys offense is going to do needs a guy like, like Brandon cooks. I think he's going to have a great year this year and, and and probably go over a thousand yards again, not, you know, and he'll have, he'll be kind of in the mid tier there with, with receptions and touchdowns. He's not going to have the most or, or least really he'll be in the middle, but I think that he's just always going to give you a, a solid level of production.
0: All right, my last breakout-slash-sleeper here is Evan Ingram, and this is going to end off the entirety of the episode. Uh, Evan Ingram, I think he's just a solid tight end to draft, and and the whole caveat with tight ends recently has been, oh, there's only five actual good ones that are going to get you consistently double-digits points, and the other guys are not. And it's it's kind of true. It, it, it has yeah. proven to be true over the past few years with guys like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle when he's healthy, Darren Waller when, when you know, when he was in Vegas, we don't really know how he's going to do in New York. I think he's going to do great. But I think Evan Ingram's a guy that not a lot of people are looking at that's going to do. He did pretty good last season and towards the end of the season when Jaguars were kind of, you know, in, in that playoff race and they were kind of turning heads here and there and they still didn't have Calvin Ridley. They have Calvin Ridley this year, but let me tell you, every team is going to be focused on Calvin Ridley and who's that going to leave open either Zay Jones or Evan Ingram and I, th- I think that both of those guys you can kind of count on to be a very good number 2 option for Trevor Lawrence who's going to be maybe looking away from Calvin Ridley every now and then on certain plays all you need all you r- really need and i envision this right now all you really need is a is a deep crosser route from Calvin Ridley and a streak from Evan Ingram Calvin Ridley crosses the safety's face and takes the safety with him or makes him take one little false step. Evan Ingram is already passed him because he's a speedster tight end. So it's like, dude, give me give me Evan Ingram on that streak all day. He's going to score on five of those this season. I'm predicting it right now. Maybe not, but uh, I, th- I think my brilliant offensive mind is coming to fruition here, Matt. Anyway, we're going to end off the episode with um, with my offensive coordinator audition. And yeah, we're going to call it a night here. Thank you guys for listening so much. We are going to be back this weekend with our third NFL preview. It'll be NFC teams, NFC North and NFC West on Saturday, hopefully this weekend. So you will hear from us then be excited for it because we are, and we will, uh, yeah, we're, we're just going to keep on chugging with these NFL previews and this month of August slash beginning of September, where we are grinding out these, uh, the, the these, you know, football preview talks here. So, gonna get her done and we're gonna enjoy every moment of it so again thank you guys so much for the support and thank you guys so much for listening we will catch you guys on the weekend